It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. And today I have my bestie, the one you know, Dr. V in the house because it's time for us to talk about vaping. I am getting a lot of emails from listeners who are really freaked out by the vaping headlines of death and lung disease all across the nation. I'm just here to say we can't lump all vaping and e-cigarette products into the deadly category because that's just not true. So I wanted to bring Dr. V in so that we could talk about the scientific facts. Dr. Monica Villalpando is a pharmaceutically trained PhD scientist. She has over a decade of inhalation product development experience across the pharmaceutical, nicotine, and cannabis industries in the USA and Europe. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, Monica, tell us what's happening. Oh God. Well, uh, people want answers. There's people, a lot of people getting sick. There are people dying and we need answers. People are scared, especially considering the cannabis industry where vaping is on the rise. Well, vaping in general, even in in nicotine as well. Um, And there's a lot of unknowns. And I see a lot of misconceptions and claims or considerations that are applicable to nicotine that aren't applicable to cannabis-containing vape pens and vice versa. 
Um, I and, s- and of course, we all try to make it easy, like it's just one thing. And so they're lumping a lot of things into one pile. And you're saying all of these things have to be treated very differently. Yeah, there's just so much going on. Just the action of vaping, just to take it a step back and kind of put my inhalation product development journey into context. So, you know, as you mentioned, I'm pharmaceutically trained. So I worked four years for a dry powder inhalation company on formulation characterization. And that's where I really was like, the lungs are so vulnerable. Um, the the studies that we had to do to demonstrate safety and efficacy um, are so critical, say, with vaping versus an oral route, um, because with vaping, there's no defense mechanism, very little. But it's a very popular <laughs> form of consuming many products because it's the fast onset. Yeah, and it's just easy. Yeah, and so with that, so if you think from the farmer world where you have to demonstrate these things, um, now jumping into more a non, less regulated um, environment, and, and regulations is also something I'd really want to touch on because that affects safety too. Absolutely. But there is only a list of excipients or inactive ingredients used in the formulation in addition to the active compound that we could use. And then I somewhat arrogantly went into the nicotine world like, oh, how difficult can this be? Mm-hmm. And it was just a whoa, like a whole other like set of challenges and, and considerations. And um and so you were the chief scientific officer for a nicotine vaping company in the EU, and you helped create the legislation around vaping there. Is that correct? Yeah. So I kind of fell into it in an uh, interesting way because because um, before my PhD, after I had my bachelor's in biology and I worked four years for this uh, dry powder inhalation company, um, so to get a really strong experience there. And then I did some graduate school work at the University of Arizona, and I worked on a meter dose inhaler um, for my PhD. Then I transitioned more into oral drug delivery and, and formulation technologies to improve water solubility. Um, but then after my PhD, I was at um, Janssen, which is the pharmaceutical division of Johnson & Johnson. And I was reintroduced into um, an inhalation project because of my previous background. I transitioned over to Manchester uh, for personal reasons. And I had difficulty finding a pharmaceutical uh, job. And money was getting tight. And so I said, okay, let's let's think outside of the box. And a recruiter said, would you be interested in e-cigarettes? And I was like, no, 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 I want nothing to do with this. This is, no, I will f- think I would I'm fail as a scientist. <laughs> exactly. And the more, I was like, okay, let's let's see what this is about. I'm, I'm curious what I don't know about. So I was like, okay, let's see what this industry is, what's going on. And this was 2014, um, where the uh, tobacco products directive had just come out saying, these are the regulations for this new technology known as e-cigarettes. It was a specific article under a wider range of tobacco products considerations. So I jumped in from a very regulated environment to an unregulated environment. Um, And there's a lot of crazy cowboys in there in that field at the time and trying to 
understand the hardware, the e-liquid formulation, the just the how the formulation works, the interplay between the hardware and the, the formulation. And then you have to consider things like lung compatibility, so the toxicology of that, in addition to the emissions testing. So there's a whole slew of um, additional considerations. Yeah, on places where things can fuck up. Yeah, exactly. So... Part of the setting of these is is going by what we know and implementing best practices. So I think Europe did it very well in the sense that it is now a lot more regulated. Um, now I'm talking about e-cigarettes, uh, just to clarify for the audience, because there have they did take the initiative to implement it. Now there, the FDA has done that through the PMTA, but it's uh, it's a lot more complex and a lot less uh, user friendly. They'll just kind of say, "This is what we want you to do," but they won't necessarily tell you how to do it. So to put it in context, so the um, TPD is about fifty pages, and you have one article, Article Twenty, that talks about e-cigarettes. Um, from that, you had like the British uh, Standards Institute, um, AFNOR, which is the French regulatory authorities, working together and building these um, these standards and considerations. I want to be like, there's a SEN, which is a um, European Standards Institute. They created a new spinoff for uh, for vaping and and broke it into three uh, categories in hardware e-liquid formulation and manufacturing because all of these things play a role into the safety of that product. Absolutely. And so now if you were to purchase a e-cigarette in Europe, it's gone through this notification process where it's, you have to um, disclose everything that's in there. Um, you have to show uh, research around inhalation toxicity. There are things that are flagged that are a big no-no. Um, and levels that you have to stay under. So this is all demonstrating that. Now, during my transition into uh, cannabis, I leveraged my experience in, in e-cigarettes, of course. Yeah. And and But part of like, as I was building my business, I still worked in e-cigs and I was helping companies in the US sell in Europe. And so a lot of these unknown, these harmful things were not, they're not known to them. Again, people don't know what they don't know. Um, and I and I think, you know, the U.S. was a little bit later to put in these these proposed regulations. So you're saying that the stuff that you guys are already doing in the EU, when you started consulting for these U.S. brands, they were still putting all this shit in there that they had no idea that was toxic and they shouldn't be correct. Using. And a lot of them still do Obviously. because no one tells them they don't need to. And yeah. one of them. So one of the big misconceptions or headliners one of the headlines? Yeah, one of the headlines that I see related to THC, or sorry, just keep it cannabis because this affects CBD and all other cannabinoids, um, but is that, oh, popcorn lung, and this and that's that's from a compound known as diacetyl, um, and that gives a really great buttery, custardy, flavory notes. That issue is applicable to more so to uh, nicotine containing e-liquids and not cannabis where we're not really putting flavoring agents in there. So we should be looking at these problems completely differently, but at the same time, there's a lot that we can take from what's already been done to make these products safer and streamline this this process. And yeah. Right. And because we know how sensitive the lungs are and how inflammation can affect our immune system or whatever, like... Knowing those things, it would make sense that they would be flagging as much shit as possible, trying to narrow this down. Like, it seems crazy to me. 
Yeah, well, it's also hard to predict. So a lot of these ingredients, we mainly just have um, oral data on them. Again, inhalation is, is another beast. But so, yeah, because that was one of the things I wanted you to to explain is how these ingredients now after they're heated, how they transform into something else. So can you explain yeah. how that all works? Yeah. And, and that's what makes it such a, <laughs> a, a challenging product to develop if you really want to understand what's going on. Because they're in one aspect, it's okay, so you have this e-liquid formulation or, you know, uh, THC containing products. You keep saying THC. <laughs> well, that well because yeah. really, well, that's what the issue what, is, is right it, now. They're, they're it's blaming the, the elite. They're, yeah. yeah, they're blaming vape juice and they're blaming the street THC yep. vapes. And actually, they're not even saying street; they're just saying THC vapes. Yeah. And so that's another red flag that's been waved through my email from people saying like, "Hey, can you let them know that, like the stuff that they're buying in my dispensary is not the same thing?" Yeah. Yeah, I, I, even I'm saying just uh, all my hearing is THC, but I, I think this is a problem that affects all cannabis-containing vape pens or considerations that we should address, and we can jump into some of the specific um, ingredients that you know, mainly vitamin E acetate. But there's other other considerations there, and and things um, and research that is that's ongoing, and, and some interesting findings, but. So that walking through that process of like, you put the vape juice in your yeah. device, you heat it up. Yeah. And so then what's happening to all that stuff? Absolutely. So um, first you have to think about, you know, how is this e-liquid uh, manufactured, formulated? Um, is it in a clean room? Is it in a warehouse where there's some particulates? Um you know, what are the, the cleaning procedures between equipment that they're using? So that's, you know, that's getting more and more mature. So that's, that's starting very in the kind of the basics. But if you consider, okay, there's the hardware e-liquid or cannabis liquid compatibility consideration. So wicking, temperature effects, airflow, all of these things influence the safety um, of these formulations. So that it doesn't just necessarily stop there. Um, it goes into, okay, now you have a number of ingredients in here. Um, what are potential chemical interactions that can occur? Because also by virtue of heating the formulation, you're you're promoting, you're speeding the onset of, of these things to, to happen. Well, and that's the other piece, you know, that I just want people to understand is just how when you're THCA, when you heat it, it burns, it turns to THC, which is what's intoxicating. This molecule has literally ship shifted into something else. So if you've got vegetable glycerin or propylene glycol or this vitamin E acetate, acetate yeah. then surely this same shit is happening to those things. Exactly. Exactly. So you, and it, because there's a lot of, there's a lot going on and um, the industry also doesn't have the sophistication for all the characterization techniques to really dig down deeply to fully assess. Maybe some groups that are doing it, I'm not aware of any right now. Um, but I believe that probably given these <laughs> recent reports, people, people are right. on it. But um, in addition to that, there's also, um, the biological interactions to what excipients you use, the solubility, the compatibility with your, the surfactants in your lung is, is another consideration. And then finally, you know, after you've inhaled, then there's the exhale. So what are you exhaling? Um, how much does that affect the people around you? Uh, so the, all of these things are uh, important considerations. And I think where 
people in the cannabis industry are really missing the mark is the biological aspect of it. I see so many people say, you know, we use, we don't use diluents. That's great. Um, but if you are using a diluent, um, most of the times I see and a diluent being to dilute the, yeah, sorry. Okay. So because okay. the cannabis <laughs> extract know, is just little me over here, just trying no, to figure no, it no. out. <laughs> No, because it's so viscous. Um, And then you'll have problems wicking it into the ceramic coil now. But back in the day, we started out with cotton wicks, which were based off the e-cigarette design. But these are completely different physical, chemical behavior. Um, But it just took China a little bit longer to catch up to the cannabis um, requirements and technology for, for obvious reasons. But um, China's its own fucking problem too in this. <laughs> well, thing. I mean, you have, um, regardless of it's a nicotine containing e-cigarette pen or a cannabis, it's, it all comes from Shenzhen, China, yep. essentially. So, yeah. So the, again, this is a perfect example where the cannabis industry can learn a lot, and um, so from from the nicotine industry, and so we've collaborated with companies like the Blink Group. So Arno Rumastali, he and I worked together in the in the nicotine space, and he was also on the forefront of setting these regulations. and And he's over in China all the time, monitoring, ensuring there's there's quality and consistency. So there are definitely um, bad manufacturing facilities or good manufacturing, and that's right. regardless of you're in California or yeah. you're in Shenzhen and whatever industry. Exactly, you're in, exactly. Um, where I get really frustrated is the fact that. People will say, manufacturers say, oh, it's all natural. We are no PG, no VG, this and that, and no PEG, no diluents. I'm like, okay, I get that, Um, but we use MCT, medium chain triglyceride, which is, it's a lipophilic material. It's compound. We shouldn't be putting triglycerides in our lungs anyway. So I've told companies to not include it, and they don't listen. It continues to, to get sold. So... I said it to enough companies that just ignored it. I said, okay, well, I need to start generating more data because this is like, right. no one's going to just listen to little old me. I know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, I- this little pixie with curls in her hair. She doesn't know what she's talking about. So what, as a result, I, I started collaborating with uh, Portland State University professor, Rob Strongen, um, him and his, uh, he has a PhD student, Jirius, and um, it's been really, really great. They had already started looking into the space and, you know, providing ideas. I think I think you should look into this. This is my hypothesis. And there's a brand new paper that just came out. But um, going back to the MCT, I will talk about that paper in a sec, but I want to okay. like build up to it. I yeah. can see you're like, don't jump around. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm just fine. like building up the... Yes, uh, good. So there was a paper that came out out of a group in Arizona that looked at the emissions from PEG, propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, and MCT. And they're like, oh, because MCT resulted in the less um, volatile organic compound formation, it's the safer one to go with. And Not just, that it was good. It was just the safest it was just of the all safer, the... Well, it, that's what you should use because unlike PG, it had all this formaldehyde come off. But... It wasn't an, a level playing field, and, and actually, it was a very poorly designed study. You, you could pull that <laughs> from. You can just go on the 
e-cigarette world because we have they had to provide that data anyway. So um, it wasn't very novel, but but the cannabis industry took it as oh, I can use MCT. But going back to the reason it's not a same plane fuel is because you have different boiling points. So PG propylene glycol has a much lower boiling point than MCT. So if you take them up to the same temperature, you're going to have more volatiles out of something that's going to degrade at a lower temperature. So that was their basis of it being safer, but by no means do they consider like what it could do to your lungs. So while you might be, we're seeing now with vitamin E acetate, there's a lot of, you know, these reports are now popping up. Different excipients can also have different impacts on this toxicity. And it might not be um, as profound as vitamin E acetate, but over time, this is something you should consider. Um, I always, <laughs> I'm going to parallel it with, with uh, yoga when, I, when I'm giving instructions and you're misaligned. You do it once, 10 times, it's fine, but you continue doing and doing and doing it over years. That's when that's when these, yeah. the serious damage occurs and it happens so slowly you don't even you don't even realize. So it was really based off more the overuse of MCT in vape pens. Um, MCT, just to clarify the audience, is perfectly safe for ingestion in your tinctures and your, and your coffee couple. and what all that a, stuff great, that everybody's been doing. But that bulletproof diet. Just because you can eat it doesn't mean you can heat it up and vape it. And it's just... Yeah. One of those, one of those things, and um, I'm I still continuously get pushback. Um, I said no to a specific project um, involved putting certain additives in a vape pen. I said the the amount of work you would need to do to ha- me give that product my blessing, it wouldn't make it worth marketing that product. So, um, I think that the industry, especially in the vape arena where it is becoming more and more competitive, people are trying to find differentiation. Yeah. Yeah. What's their niche? What can they do different? Yes. Like be very, very careful. Um, Extremely careful. What about these like, you know, these terpenes and things like that, the smoke, smoking terpenes? Yeah. Think, yeah, that's a, that's kind of leading up into the work that, um, we're doing with Dr. Well, Dr. Strongen is leading and, and uh, we're, we're, we're collaborating on in some future projects. While terpenes are present in the cannabis plant, you know, they're at, they're, they're at a certain concentration. Yeah, a very low concentration. A very low concentration. So one of the things that uh, I had hypothesized was the concentration of terpenes that people are putting in these vape pens is way too high. So the the industry is motivated to put such a high concentration in there, uh, well, for flavoring agents, but also um, they're thinning agents. So instead of using MCT to dilute and improve the viscosity of the cannabis extract, you could add terpenes to, to have that same effect. And then you say it's all cannabis derived or all from the plant. So um, but you have to be careful there. And um, if you if you go too high, and um, I've been fortunate to look at and see, you know, from the from the research of inhalation toxicologists saying like this specific terpene should stay below these levels, this specific, and they're they're different. So then then compound it with a blend, a terpene blend, and and things get a little bit more hazy and confounded, especially if you think you, you know, you take one terpene with a boiling point of 
80 degrees Celsius and another one with like 180 degrees Celsius, you can imagine there's, there'll be some other considerations um, involved there from a, from a safety uh, standpoint. So, and well, when I always think about smoking a vape pen, because you know, it's not my favorite. I mean, it makes me cough every single time. It's like it burns, it's spicy in the back of our throat and, you know, and they're like, Oh, it's the terpenes. And I'm like, yeah, certainly it's the terpenes. However, every single time I'm belted over, like coughing, I'm like, something's not exactly right. Cause cannabis doesn't do that to me. Flower doesn't do that. Yeah. Agreed. Having looked at the hood under both types of products, I am more likely to pick up a nicotine containing e-cigarette in Europe than I am a legal cannabis containing vape pen in California. That's yeah. pretty big words. And I, and I smoke, I love flower. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy flower. I enjoy my products that, that I've worked on too. And, and I, I enjoy cannabis, but <laughs> unless I've looked under the hood and I've kind of seen what they've, this company has done, um, I've seen more things that I find shocking than I would say, okay, yes, I, I, I would do this. So how is someone, because, you know, clearly we're in a buyer beware market. So, you know, someone who has been just reliant on the vape pen and that's what they like. That's what they've got kids. They don't want the smell of the flower or whatever. And so what do you tell people like that? Yeah, no, it's it's a good question because it is it's hard to trace um, the practices of the, the manufacturers or from a consumer standpoint, they might not want to disclose too much. But so what a consumer should look for. Um, uh, for one, let's, let's start with the hardware. Let's look at, you know, is this going to be a pod that you're going to add to an existing hardware, like a PAX? Well, in that case, then you would want to look more into the, the, the pod itself, but given, or your other standard, uh, 510 cartridges, this, the screw on, um, you'll want to see, look out for a number of things as, you know, is it diluted in something? Um, are the terpenes derived from cannabis or um, from food grade? And to know if it's diluted in something, what are those ingredients that you're reading on they that? Sh- well, they should, ideally, it should be cannabis extract and cannabis-derived terpenes. Um, and that's it. I, yeah, I mean, I think food, I mean, well, food is also fine as well. Um, I just for more of a, a whole uh, well, wait a experience. minute we're not talking about food where'd food come food from? grade terpenes oh i was like what the <laughs> fuck are we talking about yeah, i'm like so, i'm I mean, not even high from a scientific standpoint <laughs> if you compare a mer- you know some a terpene from cannabis a terpene from food it's it, chemically they're the same it's just kind of the fingerprint that makes the terpene profile um I, how do i explain it i explained it as you can go to paris and look at the eiffel tower and you can go to Vegas and look at the Eiffel Tower to look pretty much the same, <laughs> but it doesn't have like the finer nuances that it has. That's how I try to explain I it. think that's a great explanation. Um, because sometimes it, when, when you're trying to mimic the terpene profiles from the cannabis plant, um, you're limited based on the, the analytical techniques that were used to identify that terpene profile. So you lose some of the, the finer details in it. So that's where the, <laughs> the comparison goes into. So, but going back to it, um, it's very hard. I understand the frustrations and the fear of the consumer. Um, well, is there a certain style of pod or um, the battery that seems to be 
better than the others or that is not showing up with crazy testing? Yeah, I mean, so what I what I would look for is it, what kind of coil are they using? Is it a cotton wick? Is it a ceramic coil? Because that's going to um, influence the efficiency of your product. Um, is anybody using cotton wick anymore? Yeah. They are? Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one. Um, but hardware is, you know, we're getting some pretty cool devices, Um coming yeah. out. So when I consider the my time and the papers that were being published when investigating nicotine containing products, there were clinical studies showing differences in absorption of nicotine, the exact same nicotine formulation, but it was dependent on the hardware. So that's another reason that device formulation compatibility is incredibly important. Well, and then that also helps me understand more why there are so many different devices popping up on the market right now. You know, Absolute Extracts is partnering with, um, with on that Dart device that I think it's great. And then Hanu Stone's got their thing. And so, yeah, I just... I keep wondering like, okay, why are people creating more shit? But I guess if it's, you know, they're working with their particular oil, just trying to create that best experience and make themselves stand out from everybody else. Exactly. Yep. Um, the other thing I think is critical to look at is the material used that's in contact with the cannabis extract. So I mentioned the coils, um, but also, are you using plastic? Are you using glass? Um, you know, these terpenes, they can interact with the plastics and, and result in extractables and leachables. And in some of the cases, you could see the, pla- <laughs> I've seen products where the plastic is cloudy. And that's like, Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. Um yeah, it's like back in the 80s when we'd like heat up cheese dip in a bowl. <laughs> you pull it out and there's like the actual plastic is melted in the cheese dip and you're just like, you know what, fuck it. And <laughs> uh, dad's really going to hate all the F-bombs in this show. <laughs> oh, I've been, I've been cursing like a sailor lately. Um, it's, been a, it's been a great, it's been an intense week. Um, you know, I just think, stuff. yeah, as long as I'm putting good content on either side of it and making a delicious sandwich out of the F-bombs, I mean, it's worth it. Um, but another thing that's really important to me, and I think it should be important to consumers as well, is packaging. So I mentioned materials, but then secondary packaging or how the product is being displayed and marketed. Again, these these products come in either glass or plastic, and I've, 99% of the time they're clear. So cannabis and terpenes, will, they're prone to they'll, they'll degrade, degrade um, due to exposure to... <laughs> Uh, UV to light, um, Air, oxygen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so that, that, and the clouds of smoke. Yeah. That and billow and, out and of actually, you space. know, you can have a uh, water ingress occur too, if you're living in a humid environment. Um, so these are, these are things that you can consider. So more about like, if they're just displaying it, there, clear, you have no idea how this 
product to what this product is now compared to what they sold it originally with. So for example, yeah, so I'm the a ma- label may not match what you're actually not anymore. So imagine that I am a vape manufacturer and I want to make it alert, some an alert formulation, you know, you're awake in the morning in the mood. And I put it in you know, let's say, okay, I put it in glass, but I put the external packaging and just plastic and it's out there, it's on the shelves. Um, but when I first, you know, just sold it, it's, here's my C of A, it, you know, these, this is what it meets. And then as you go a few months later, you might be dealing with some CBN and your formulation doesn't work, like as an awake formulation. So these are things that matter um, mm-hmm. and that I, I really want people to, to start thinking about. But of course, there's, thank you for, you, Joe, and, and educating because there's a lot to learn in this space. Um, even just within this topic, there's there's so many things that, that we can discuss and avenues and misconceptions. Yeah, totally. So when you walk in and you're shopping, the fact that you can even see the cartridge to see which one, the color of it or whatever, that's already bad news because it's exposed to the elements, so yeah, to speak. I, I, you have to think about the source and who you're buying from. Like how much are, do they really understand and appreciate the plant if they're going to like downstream and manufacture it in such a manner? Yeah. Yes. I appreciate that. I appreciate that perspective. Well, so let's talk about then someone who isn't as fortunate as we are to go into a dispensary and they still have a drug dealer. So, you know, I know people who have drug dealers who they those people make trips to Colorado, you know, they're bringing back product that looks to me like it's quality product that was made by responsible people with a certificate of analysis. I mean, this shit looks like the real deal. Now, in Canada, the stuff that is legal, it looks like medicine. So you can easily tell the difference between stuff that is legal and that's been, you know, labeled safe versus the gray market. Here we can't really fucking tell because I don't know if that stuff was actually approved or whatever. And so now I'm just like fearful for all of my friends who love vaping so much and they they don't really have a way of knowing what it is they've got. I think the most important thing is understanding what's in that formulation. So if companies... But the, we're not talking about companies now. We're talking about oh. the fucking South where you're getting it from a drug dealer. Well, like what? I mean, Unfortunately, that's that's the risk just, that, you know, you, that you're taking. And I, 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 I wish I had better... Well, no, I better, mean, that's important. <laughs> but that's okay. Tips. That's the reality. That's it's, the truth. I so. think I would study what reputable brands are doing and asking a lot of questions and looking for the ingredients list. And because and, I can't, a lot of times I can kind of get a sense by looking at a product, getting yeah. a sense and maybe even trying it. Um, but you knowing know. what's there, what's being doing right. So you can better identify something that's done wrong. I'll tell you what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, Joe. <laughs> and I'm not condoning other people do this, but I would certainly look up an old friend or a family member that lives in a legal state and plan myself a fucking road trip. Or, you know, I'm just not willing to take that risk. So I would make a road trip, go on a trip, 
go to a dispensary where you know you can get something that is at least good and you can follow Dr. V's buying tips, but then get three or four of them, take them out of the packaging, put them in your backpack and head home. And then you know that you've got enough to last you for a while that is good and you can at least chill the fuck out with some peace of mind instead of I mean the thing that's supposed to ease my anxiety is now going to give me anxiety because I think it might kill me like what the fuck is that about that's stupid so you know don't like go buy a dozen and you know get popped for like fucking intent to sell just like be reasonable don't be what's the word Stingy, stingy. <laughs> also, if you're coughing like crazy, that that's your well, that's body like, telling you something too. Well, um, and I only use a vape pen when I'm traveling. Me too. Just and I only use it from it. like a few brands. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm terrible about breaking or washing batteries, so I've got a lot of cartridges with no battery home. So I could yeah. actually send you home with some of the ones you like. Okay. So I mean, what are we? Have we let? Well, one thing we should mention is that like this has gotten to be such a big deal that, you know, Trump recently announced that he was going to move to ban most e-cigarettes. I think probably anything that was like flavored. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) And then. um, Or you could just regulate it a little bit more simply. (laughs) Well, but you know, they're living in a situation where I was around teenagers I really kind of appreciate the fact of like, you know what, let's just fucking cut this back to where it was. Understood. Uh, one, Yeah, this, I mean, it's a very controversial topic. Um, I mean, I watched kids go nuts no, right I, before my eyes. Yeah, no, it, it is a pity. Um, you know, Han Lick, who invented the first e-cigarette, was did it as a means, as a safer alternative because his dad died of smoking. And so where my the basis of my experiences in is in the UK mm-hmm. and I and there it was very much pushed as a tool to help quit smoking and you could do that by decreasing the nicotine concentrations um another thing that um the TPD did was cap the nicotine concentration mm-hmm. um, yeah cuz there's like one pack of smokes in a pod well it's not that <laughs> it's not that um, well, that's what they advertise, of course. And <laughs> I mean, that's and, but the company not, saying, "Hey, yeah. this is equivalent to a whole I pack know. of cigarettes." I, I back when I was in my last company or working for the ESIC company, I got in a fight with the marketing guy because he tried to make that claim. I'm all, "You, we, we, we have no data to prove that it depends on nicotine concentration, tanks on absorption. It has different like it's you can't just say 100." where one pack equals this like that's just total bullshit okay um and it it, one pod will affect each person differently too yeah is that what you're saying as well um like because of our own body chemistry and or is it just you're saying you haven't gotten to that point in the science to be able to there's uh, there's a number of factors that play a role into it so if you if i smoke a marlboro or a camel i might have a different like nicotine uptake profile in my blood so there's other considerations the same it's like one cigarette is not it, it, you know they're all different obviously that's why you have different brands 
So that's one reason you can't make that direct comparison. And then on the e-cigarette side, you have um, nicotine-containing e-liquids with different concentrations of nicotine. So if I'm addicted to nicotine and I, you know, get my fix off one cigarette, um, I don't. That might necessarily not translate so clearly. Uh, what translates for me and what the vape pen that I use will not translate for the other person too. And just the way that you smoke a cigarette versus um, you would consume nicotine, uh, sorry, a a e-cigarette. Yeah, you just exactly. take a couple of puffs. It's a tight, yeah, it's a self-titration versus you go outside, it's two-minute thing, you get a bigger, like, spike up in nicotine, and then you get a faster crash, which is what makes it so addictive versus with e-cigarettes, it's been very successful. And I hear a lot of people, not <laughs> adults, who quit smoking, as a result of, of switch, switching to e-cigarettes. My mom did. Yeah. And and so, you know, there's, and, and within that world, you have different cultures. So you can have the cloud chasers. These people just like making these big clouds and. They are obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but They're it, the ones they, that are using the vape juice. Yeah. They, they just <laughs> like, and it doesn't even have nicotine, it have very, very low nicotine in there. They care more about, they. The, those, the those, plume. Exactly. Those formulations have high glycerin in there because that forms that m- bigger plume versus, or you could go the people who start at a, you know, 20 milligrams per milliliter and go down to, you know, whatever, uh, it, to zero. Um, and so in Europe, that nicotine concentration is capped. And in the US, it's not. So, you know, there's, there's a pragmatic way to implement regulations, you know, right? Overregulating is also um, not a good thing either, and and so I think this whole like banning it all right without kind of understanding and pulling the the problem from its root is is what I don't disagree with. Um, so yes, there's a lot that we don't know, but actually going back to your point about the teenagers, um, that's not something that I experienced experienced on hand um, in the UK. Uh, but I did I did hear, actually talking to my buddy, he, he did say there was more and more of those popping up. And yeah, I think it's horrible. And but kids would be smoking anyway, I picked up my first cigarette in like age 14. And then I mean, luckily, I didn't get it addicted to it. So I, I'm not saying like, well, they're going to pick up something. So it might as well be e-cigarettes. That's not what I'm saying at all. But and it's terrible what the, what they're doing, but in part of that high addiction and in jewels, right? And then we're talking about jewels. Well, their nicotine concentration is what fifty milligrams per milliliter, and so well now they're they had to cut it down for sale in Europe. So that's another reason American kids are are dealing with what what they're dealing with. Um, yeah, they're turning into little beast monsters really fast because the concentrations are higher. Yeah, and I I think that. There should be some flavorings allowed, um, but demonstrated to be safer inhalation. Um, because if you want to look at e-cigarettes as a tool to quit smoking, um, y- you're going to want a little bit of a flavor in there because nicotine just doesn't taste very good. <laughs> well, <laughs> and well so. and I think that's part of the reason why they're like, if we take all these flavors away, it won't taste good. Kids aren't going to want to do it. And there's a lot to that. I, I, I agree one. I agree with that rationale, but then adults who want to quit smoking don't want to do that. And then they'll just go back to smoking. Yeah. Cause it's like, I think they want to have just like plain and menthol, but I think the big 
piece to all of this is also educating these kids about this is what you looked like three weeks ago. Oh, yeah. This is what you look like now. This is your future. You know, it's kind of like that stupid, this is your brain. This is drugs. <laughs> this is your brain on drugs that we had to listen to all the time. But this, that's that was bullshit. Like, this is us showing scientific facts and research because now they're, that stuff's being done, right? And Governor Newsom just earmarked $20 million for a youth awareness campaign in California. It's like... Our goal is to reduce youth vaping consumption. Understood. 100% agree with that. But it has to be situated in a way that can still facilitate adults to enjoy this experience. Think of drinking. Yeah, certainly. You're like, we don't fucking have kids. (laughs) Not my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't don't consume nicotine. I've worked with it. Have I sampled what I've you know, the nicotine contained. Yes, of course. Um, but, but do I consume it? No. Um, but I do know that there are a lot of people that have, have benefited from it and going to the point again, when you implement the right type of regulations and you get together as an industry and come up with these best practices and have different subject matter experts touching on aerosol, uh, inhalation toxicology, uh, manufacturing, then you can provide a platform for safer products. And so that's why I think it's important to look at really the state of the e-cig market in Europe versus the U.S. Because in Europe, they were a little bit more, pro- well, they were not a little, uh, they were more proactive in implementing um, this regulations and and trust me at that time there was a lot of pushback at anything anytime you stir up the pot you know there's always a little bit of a absolutely but eventually settled out and and uh, the biggest concern then was like all oh, these small mom and pops wouldn't be able to survive um, but those that did it right and did it properly they're they're still they're still on the market and I think the same model can be applied to uh, cannabis containing products like uh, I'm not saying all diluents are bad. I'm not saying you can't put terpenes in there or food grade terpenes or whatever. I'm saying you should study or do the research to know that it is in fact safe and um, look to other industries, not even even outside the nicotine space, where you can take inspiration from from building these regulations. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you are a rational, logical, intentional voice behind it. And I appreciate that. I always try to leave people with a hopeful message. Do we, do we have one? If we're in the elevator, heading down and somebody's asked you on the 10th floor, tell me what's going on with the vaping thing. A couple of sentences. What should people do right now? They'll only get safer because people are now starting to pay more attention to it. Okay. There's more data coming out, the more research. Um, given the background, it's been a, a very busy week with all of these reports. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, because I've, I've come from a pretty unique position, it, it's been shifting my focus a little bit more intently on this. And I started building up those pieces, reaching out to Professor Strungen. But yeah, it's just people paying attention and, and other industry experts chiming in too. All right. So buyer beware, but 
They will get safer. Absolutely. 100%. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your voice. I appreciate you always and forever. I appreciate you too. All right. Now (laughs) let's get casually baked. (laughs) I'm not so sure our conversation made you feel better about the vaping scare. But like Dr. V said, it's only going to get safer from here. In the meantime, it's up to you to be a savvy consumer. Dan in New Jersey wrote to me, Hi, Joe. I love your podcast, but I've been freaked out over these vaping illnesses and was hoping you could talk about what you know about it. Vaping has been a godsend for someone like me whose situation depends on discretion. But now it will apparently kill me. So I threw out all of my carts because I live in New Jersey and they were all purchased illegally. I'm crushed not just for me, but for everyone else who found vaping THC to be the perfect way to live their lives free of the judgment of those who wouldn't understand it anyway. I know edibles are the logical solution, but you know, totally different animal as far as dosage and timing goes. I wish everyone in the cannabis industry had a heart and soul like yours. Oh, oh, Dan, me too, buddy. Thank you for your email. I do think there are a lot of cannabis lovers in the same boat as you. From my almost 23 years of experience and with everything that I now know, the number one rule I can share with you, it's old school, but it's to trust your source. Don't buy black market vape pens, period off the street, from your dealer, on the dark web, or from some rando on Craigslist. The next rule is to double-check that shit, even from someone you trust who you've been buying pot from forever. If you don't live in a legal state, then you better know that what you're getting is coming from a clean and reputable source in, say, Colorado or California or some other legal state near you where you can look up a certificate of analysis and read the ingredients of your particular batch number. If you can't do those things, walk away from vaping until you can. If you don't think you have time for those things, walk away from vaping. Remember, it's not just the actual formulation that matters. The hardware used in manufacturing process each play a role in the safety of your favorite vape pen. Bottom line, there is still a lot of research to be done before anyone can really say with full certainty what constitutes safety in such a young industry without years of data to examine. An alternative to smoking and vaping for you, Dan, is to make infused cannabis oil at home and consume it sublingually. Don't put it in edibles. If you're looking for rapid symptom relief or instant gratification, using an oil under your tongue will give you a faster onset than trying to dose yourself with edibles. If vaping cannabis or CBD is your favorite method of consumption and you're lucky enough to live in a legal state, Make sure you know it comes from a licensed dispensary with a verified certificate of analysis that you can review that came from a third-party lab. I highly encourage you to find cannabis companies that produce single cultivar, full-spectrum products. A local favorite of mine is Chemistry, made right here in Oakland. They do just that. They use small batches of sun-grown flour by some of Northern California's best craft growers. 
several of which I've had on this podcast. The nuanced flavor and the effect of each strain is captured in the Chemistry Vape cartridges with no fillers. Check out trichemistry.com to see the list of sun-grown farms and strains they work with and where you can look into shopping their products. I tell you this a lot, but I'm going to say it again. It is your responsibility to navigate what goes into your body and how you show up in the world. And when it comes to your Cannabis for Wellness lifestyle, I am so happy to be here to help you. We had a together. When you learn something valuable, I encourage you to lead by example and provide quality information to your personal community. You can start by sharing this episode of the podcast with friends and family members who vape nicotine, hemp, or cannabis. You can learn more about Dr. Monica Villalpando and the things we discussed in the podcast 106 show notes at casuallybaked.com. Send me your can of curious questions or concerns at casuallybaked.com for inclusion on a future episode of the podcast. Socialize with me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm at casuallybaked. And if you appreciate Dr. V's insights, you can follow her formulation team at VLP underscore lab on Instagram. And I certainly hope you'll explore Voices of Harvest. It's a podcast bonus series I'm doing this fall that I created to celebrate two of my favorite things, the craft of cannabis farming and the art of storytelling. Happy harvest, y'all. Puff, puff. Pass it on. We had a time together. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.